This episode is supported by Active Skin Repair. Active Skin Repair is a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. I just randomly... Vinny was having a toe skin irritation issue and he ended up having this like skin that was really irritating him and it was getting kind of like icky and you know like when kids start to get like little scabs and scratches and then they want to pick at it and it was getting worse and so active skin repair showed up on my doorstep as a result of the sponsorship and I got to put it to use immediately and I got the ointment formula or the like ointment formulation and then also the spray and the spray was perfect so Vinny does not like ointmenty creamy lotiony things on his body but I was able to get out the spray literally took it out of the packaging the day it arrived put it on his toe before he went to bed and the next morning he was like mom my toe's all better. It was literally like this super amazing cure that helped his toes so quickly. So you can use active skin repair on a wide range of skin issues, including cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, other types of skin damage. It's totally safe, non-toxic, suitable on all types of skin, even parts of the body where you might have rosacea or eczema or have acne prone skin. This is also safe for the youngest members of your family up to the oldest. So now you have one simple solution for your family's skin health needs. With over 500 thousand happy customers and thousands of five-star reviews and super safe and clean ingredients active skin repair is something that you want to have on hand for your family so to get your own active skin repair go to activeskinrepair.com to learn more about active skin repair and get 20 percent off your order when you use the code shameless that's activeskinrepair.com use the code shameless for 20 percent off your order activeskinrepair.com code shameless This is the Shameless Mom Academy, episode 763 with Emily Paulson. Show notes for this episode, including any links mentioned in the episode, can be found by going to shamelessmom.com and clicking on episode 763. Welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm your host, Sarah Dean. I'm here to give you and other passionate, driven, unapologetic moms tools, resources, and a little bit of humor to help you lead more positive, powerful, and purposeful lives every damn day. One of the best things about the Shameless Mom Academy is our community. So be sure to join us in our free private Facebook group to connect with other shameless moms just like you. You can find us over at shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook. All right, let's dive into today's episode. Emily Lynn Paulson is a shameless mom of five and the author of Highlight Reel, Finding Honesty and Recovery Beyond the Filtered Life, and the forthcoming, like next week, book, Hey Hun, Sales, Sisterhood, Supremacy, and the Other Lies Behind Multi-Level Marketing. She's given two powerful TEDx talks, both challenging the status quo of parenting, alcohol use, and feminism as we know it. Paulson has also been featured in major publications such as the Today Show, the New York Times, Washington Post, the Seattle Times, Chicago Tribune, Next Question with Katie Couric, and the Tamron Hall Show. I found Emily and her work by way of Instagram where I find all the most amazing people and was instantly obsessed with the conversations that she was having around the cult-like behavior of MLMs, multi-level marketing companies. As she was sharing about the overlap between MLMs, cults, and supremacy culture, I knew that I had to ask her to come on the show. I know so many of our moms who listen either are participants in an MLM, a multi-level marketing company right now, or have been at one time or another. And I just want to preface this whole conversation by saying this conversation is in no way intended to shame 
but just to shed light. And whenever I talk about multi-level marketing companies in a negative light or kind of in a way where it feels like I'm exposing things about them, I get messages from women who say, but the MLM I'm in is different. Maybe it is. That's great. But I want to make sure that you have as many tools as possible to be a critical thinker and observer of what happens inside the organizations that benefit and massively profit from your participation. So that's the foundation and like the direction, kind of the angle that we're coming at this from just for you to have a level of awareness, if that's something that applies to you. If you're not involved in an MLM company, trust me, this conversation is still for you because it's a fascinating conversation. And Emily's forthcoming book, Hey Hun, Sales, Sisterhood, Supremacy, and the Other Lies Behind Multi-Level Marketing is a phenomenal read. She's such a gifted writer. And she really digs into this in a fascinating way. So listening to hear Emily share what inspired her first book, Highlight Reel, on her journey to sobriety, what an MLM, multi-level marketing company is, why they are so seductive, and how they can be really problematic, if not harmful, the commonalities between the seductiveness of mommy wine culture and MLM culture, the exploitative nature of targeting moms specifically to join MLMs, The connection between MLM culture and white supremacy, this piece is really fascinating to me and I think so important as we consider this conversation. And then also how those working in the quote women's empowerment space can be a part of systemic, systematic brainwashing and indoctrination. This is a fascinating conversation. So again, whether you are in an MLM, have been involved with one in the past or not at all, you're going to learn something. I think you're going to be just really intrigued by what Emily has to share. So with all that, please join me in welcoming Emily Paulson to the Shameless Mom Academy. Emily, welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. Oh, I'm really, really looking forward to this conversation. Yeah, thanks for having me. I started to do a deep dive through your Instagram first a few months ago. And you were one of those people where I saw Instagram algorithm just blessed me. And I saw something about your upcoming book and got really excited and then scrolled through all your things and was like, oh, she has to come on the show. And you were so kind when I dropped into your DMs and said, hey, do you want to come on the Shameless Mom Academy? I want to talk about all your things. So I'm super honored to have you here and just appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, of course. Tell me a little bit about the dynamics beyond your personal and professional life in your kind of traditional bio read and what you're most excited about right now. Yeah. So I live in central Oregon and we actually just moved here a little over a year ago, kind of out of the hustle and bustle of the city. My husband travels a bunch. He's in the aerospace industry. So it's me and uh, five kids. So I've got my youngest is 10 and my oldest is almost 18, which I can't believe I have an almost adult child, but there's always something going on. And then I really work in between all of that. So depending on the day, some days I get, you know, no work done. And some days I get a lot. It just kind of depends, but I try and be kind of flexible because I have no choice and uh, it's great, but uh, yeah, it's, it's just a busy, chaotic life. And, and I just try and work all in between right now. I'm excited about my book coming out. That really is, you know, that's kind of what I'm working on now and professionally, and then just trying to enjoy the last year with my oldest home before he goes to college this last year. Mm-hmm. So are kind of the top of mind things. I feel like you are parenting in this age bracket that's just so full of so many milestones. 
Like when you think about 10 to 18, it's middle school and high school and driving and call it and like, oh, prom. Yeah, Yeah, it's a lot. lot. It's a lot. And there's a lot of blessings in there though, because teaching a kid how to drive is, it's no joke, but then you have another driver and that's really nice. So right, right, right. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Wow. I love that you have that expansive experience. And I'm also in awe that in the meantime, you're like having moments to actually focus on write books. And we're going to talk about your books. So you are in the process of releasing your second book. And your second book is about MLM culture. For people who don't know, that's multi-level marketing, which we will dig into and explain in just a minute. But what attracted me to your work was all of this information that's been coming out, which was somewhat prompted, although not led by, but somewhat prompted by Lula Rich, the docuseries, which my husband and I actually just recently watched, which was really excellent prep for this conversation. But this increased awareness and kind of spotlight on the fact that moms in particular are targeted in certain ways, especially when it comes to these companies where you are invited to come in for a quote unquote, really exciting opportunity and build your own business that you can do from home with your kids underfoot and build your own hours and become this boss, babe. This is what your new book is centered around, but your first book is centered around something different. And there's actually really interesting overlap between the two. So can you talk a little bit about that bridge? Talk about the first book, the bridge to the second. And I know that there's going to be a million things we can dig into in between there. Yeah, for sure. So my first book was really just my story and it was part of my recovery process. When I was about two years sober, I basically had written, you know, it was a very cathartic part of my recovery. I had written basically an entire book. Um, you know, when I got sober, I started writing to kind of figure out how did I get here? And then, oh, how did I get there? How did I get there? And I started writing back and I had this almost 40 year chronology and reading books had been really helpful to me in early sobriety. So for me, it was like, okay, there's something else that I can have out there that could maybe help another person. So that was really the impetus behind the first book was just for me, it was cathartic to have all of my story out there in one piece because I had had all these secrets and shame for so long. And then also just paying it forward to other people to have something else to read. And that's recovery is really is not linear and you know, quitting drinking is very like the first step to all the things that come after. And I realized through that process of getting sober, there were a lot of things in my life that were not aligning in this multi-level marketing company that I was part of. And realizing once I kind of had my intuition back and I didn't have the beer goggles on, doing my 12 steps, right? My emotional sobriety and realizing a lot of my amends were around these things that I had done in my MLM. So mm-hmm. I started distancing myself from it, started writing about it. And that's really how the second book came about. So it's very related to the things, you know, women use to maybe fill yeah. gaps, right? Like whether it's the wine or it's the business opportunity or it's the people or it's the whatever, you know, it all really ties it. Chasing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Escaping. So interesting. And I hadn't thought about until I was starting to prepare for this conversation and you had filled out in our intake form. I hadn't really thought closely about this connection around how women are socialized to view alcohol and how women are social and use alcohol. Um, and then also how women are socialized to join certain groups and follow certain paths and really kind of trained to crave certain things in a certain way. And the connection to the patriarchy, just like quietly guiding us right into all of this is really fascinating and quite disturbing and pretty insidious. 
Yeah, it is. And especially when things are sold as women's empowerment projects. I mean, you look at alcohol and it's like, oh, this, you know, mommy wine, it's so funny. And we make t-shirts and we have all this stuff when it really doesn't solve any problems, you know, systemically, like we have problems in our society where women are not valued. Moms are not given paid time off, you know, all this stuff, but you're given a, like a bottle of wine and the picture on the front looks pretty. And so, you know, maybe it helps. And same with MLMs, you're, especially if you're a mom, a stay-at-home mom, and you don't necessarily have options. You can't go back to work because you can't afford childcare. You feel trapped, you feel lonely, and you see these pictures on social media of these women having fun and they're on a cruise and they're, you know, living their best life and whatever. It's very seductive and no wonder drawn into those uh, relationships and those situations. Yeah. I want to talk a little bit. I think that seductiveness is really important because I do think that we, there's so many things that look seductive and again, whether it's alcohol, which looks really seductive. I mean, Rose is really cute on purpose, right? (laughs) And whether it's that or whether it is these companies that have, that build a culture of craving for so many women around qualifying for trips and cars and summits and all these different things. And so I want to define for people a little bit who might not be familiar, what is an MLM? What makes an MLM company? What are, if you're comfortable sharing some examples of like ones that might be familiar with people, I think that would be really helpful as well. Um, And then digging into how these companies can be problematic because I want to also acknowledge how many people that I know who are like, but I love those products. So whether you're a buyer or someone who's trying to sell this stuff, you're like, no, but like, I really love my Rodin and Fields or my LuLaRoe leggings or whatever the thing is. So can you talk us through just a little bit about what the MLMs are? And um, Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. And many times, I mean, it's not like products are products, right? And I mean, I guarantee I have pampered stuff under my tree right now Mm -hmm. because my mother-in-law is a rep, right? So we all have these relationships and it's, it's infiltrated in so many of our lives. And so if you're listening to this and you're like, oh my gosh, you know, I own all this stuff or I buy all this stuff or I'm a rep. This isn't like to call you out or your behavior, whatever. This is really just, it's really just about awareness, right? So multi-level marketing, it's a non-salaried independent contractor. So you join as an independent contractor of one of these companies, let's say Avon, you know, Avon, Mary Kay, Amway, those are kind of some of the oldest ones that people might recognize. And you pay, it's pay to play. So you buy a business kit that might come with product. It might not come with product. And really it's sold as a way to, to, um, you know, oh, you, you need to be a product of the product. You have to have the products to use them. And this is like the rent on your business. You know, you're sold this in a lot of different ways, but essentially you're paying to join into this structure. And then beyond that, it's not just sales. So it's if it was just one level where, okay, I joined this company and then I just sell Sarah an eye cream and Sarah gives me money and then that money goes in my pocket and a little bit of company, that's just sales. Multi-level marketing is completely different because there's levels built in, multi-level. Money goes from you to your sponsor, to their sponsor, to their sponsor. So there's money built into the product itself. So for one thing, the products are usually horribly inflated because all of those levels have to be built in to pay all the people in the structure. And there's a benefit to recruiting human beings. So that's what really differentiates between just a simple sales position, sell a product and multi-level is that 
you really get more of a benefit by recruiting humans to sell the same thing you're doing. And that's problematic in itself because you're essentially replacing yourself. You are Mm -hmm. creating a saturation of people who are selling the exact same thing in the exact same market you are. And so unlike other companies, other franchises that, you know, they do research on the number of people, the number of consumers in an area, and they, you know, will put a franchise there knowing they can sell a certain amount of coffees. You know, you see a Starbucks on every corner and you wonder how they can compete. Well, it's because they know people going to the Safeway will buy coffee. People going there will buy coffee at the standalone store. Um, And you can say, oh, well, that's saturated, right? In fact, that's one of the arguments that a lot of MLM reps make is, oh, there's a Starbucks on every corner. But that's not the same because, you know, they do research. MLM companies want everyone to join. They want as many people to join because they get the money regardless. So if Susie Q buys a business kit, the the money goes to her sponsor, it goes to the company, it goes to, you know, all the sponsors in between, and she never has to make a dime. Um, They've already gotten their money. And so the benefit is through consultants, people joining the company, and that's where the majority of the sales come from. So that in itself is problematic in the sense that, you know, you've got a company that's been around 30 years, you've got Amway, for example, and, and you're enticed and um, rewarded by having your entire house filled with Amway. You're supposed to use all the products. Everything in your house needs to be Amway. And so it's you are a consumer by default by joining these companies. So I know that's a lot, but that's essentially the difference between just sales because it's easy to say like, well, gosh, I just bought a pair of leggings. How bad is that? Well, it's not. You're buying a pair of leggings. But when you look at the structure, who's getting the money from it? It's Mm -hmm. the person you're buying it from plus the person above them, plus the person above them, plus the person above them. And then also the parent company and who really benefits from it. So you can look at lots again, like Avon, Mary Kay, you know, there's, there's so many, really, if you Google MLM and the company name, you'll find out, but yeah, Rodden and Fields, Beauty Counter, Beachbody, Shakely. I mean, there's just so many. And part of the model is that it's really dependent on, it's dependent on multiple levels of people. And it's dependent on this, correct me if I'm wrong, because I'm trying to remember this from Lula Rich, but I'm imagining this, this slide that they showed that it's like, it's dependent on the bottom of the pyramid mm-hmm. is a massive people who've put in a whole bunch of money and they're not making money. And so all there's people at multiple levels who are making money. And that's where you'd be like, oh, but my friend is like really successful and blah, blah, blah. But it's that friend is successful because there's a whole bunch of people under them, under multiple layers that are not making money. And the model's dependent on that critical mass of like a huge percentage of people who are paying in, not actually making money, right? Exactly. Buying the pro- repeatedly buying products. Exactly. And that is really the rub. You, know, you can look at the income disclosure statement of any company and you will see the odds of winning You know, the lottery are better than the odds of becoming rich or even making anything. It, you know, 90% by the most conservative standards, 90% of people lose money in multi-level marketing companies and not just you know, don't earn money. They actually lose money because again, you have to pay to play. So if you never purchase another thing, you lose money out of the gate. And one thing that a lot of reps will say is, well, you get out of it, what you put into it. That also is not true because you have to sell to people. You have to recruit people. And if you already have an area where there are a ton of reps already, people are already using the product. People are already recruited into the system. And if you don't have firm resources to draw from, if you don't have the money to buy the products in the first place, if you don't have a huge network of people who can also afford products, 
good luck. It really requires having money getting in and it requires a huge network of people who also have money. So there are just so many places where it doesn't benefit you to join, but the odds are really stacked against you. And those success stories are very few and far between. Yeah. Can you talk about the, I want to dig in a little bit more to the intersection between mommy wine, mommy wine culture and MLM culture. Now that we've kind of defined what this is, I'm curious what your thoughts are on what makes this so attractive to moms and how do we kind of blindly walk into like, yes, of course I want to do this. It sounds like a great opportunity. This, whether it is like, of course I want to go grab the rosé or of course I want to go be a part of this thing. Like, what is it that you think we're craving? And like, what is the itch that we're trying to scratch and that makes this invitation as seductive as it is? I think it's just a solve for loneliness really at the heart of it. And yeah, I'm sure people hear that and they're like, I'm not lonely. You're saying I'm lonely. I mean, at the heart of it, mothers are alone. Moms are alone. Women are alone. Mm. We're left on this island. We're not given a lot of choices. You know, you can mm. look at the pandemic where alcohol rates skyrocket, alcohol use rates, substance use rates skyrocketed because women were not in women specifically, what choices do women have? So if you drank a glass of wine a day for your normal like stress relief, what were you going to do when the stress was sky high? Your kids were home, you're working at home and you're trying to balance everything. So it's seductive because we're sold something that seems like it takes our problems away and it doesn't actually solve what's underneath, right? And alcohol is generally a social thing. And so, you know, if you're with other people, you know, you think that it's somehow connecting, you feel like you're more yourself. I think it's just the repetition of it that makes us believe that this is something that we need. It makes something that creates camaraderie. It's something that we can do together. It's something that's fun. And I think to the same nature, MLMs, again, they sell something that we so desperately crave. Here's this amazing community. They look like they have so much fun. They look like they're having, making money while they're having fun. Oh, look, they go on trips. I would love to escape. It just offers everything that you're craving. So it's very seductive and it's, it's no wonder why it's something that's attractive. And I think the, the exploitation piece of it really comes into place when, you know, you look at a company like, you know, a beach body or a company that sells like weight loss products, and they're taught really to target moms who just had babies. <laughs> you're told to really mm, target yep. people's vulnerabilities. And I was taught this way. I was trained you know, talk to people who just lost their jobs because they needed an option to make money, target people who are in a life change, like they just had a baby or they just retired, whatever. You are really told to look for people's vulnerabilities. And that really says everything that you need to say about like, about exploitation. Integrity. Right? Yeah. It's just, it's very predatory. Yeah. This episode is supported by AquaTrue. Having clean, safe water is the last thing you want to worry about. But unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four, yes, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants in their tap water. So that's why you got to check out AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers have a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process. And their countertop purifiers, which is what we have, take no installation or plumbing, and they remove 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and they're specifically designed to combat 
chemicals like PFAS, which can lead to potentially adverse health effects like cancer, endocrine system disruption, and liver toxicity, which is part of what makes AquaTrue so special, unique, and important in terms of how they are able to filter water. They also have water purifiers to fit every type of home. So like the installation-free countertop purifier that we have at our house to higher capacity under sink options. They even have Wi-Fi connected purifiers and mineral boost options. So I'm so excited about our new AquaTrue. And here's the thing. I swear it's like a gentle reminder to actually drink more water every time you walk into your kitchen. So we are drinking more water now and also more clean water. So more water that is more clean. It feels like a double win. I'm feeling pretty impressed with us. I feel like sink water, tap water becomes invisible at a certain point. And when I see the purifier on my counter, it's like many time a day reminder to like, keep drinking, keep drinking. So I want you to check out AquaTrue for yourself and for your family. AquaTrue comes with a 30 day money back guarantee and that makes it a great gift as well. Today, my listener can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter the code SHAMELESS at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com and use the code SHAMELESS, S-H-A-M-E-L-E-S-S, AquaTrue.com code SHAMELESS. This episode is supported by a podcast I want to share with you called Understood Explains. So this is, show is about navigating ADHD, dyslexia, and other learning and thinking differences, which can be so confusing. And so every uh, season of the show is around a different theme. So there's a season on special education, there's a season on ADHD diagnosis for adults, and the current season is all about IEPs. I love this podcast because the episodes are 10 to 15 minutes long. So if you are short on time or short on focus, you can take this content in super quickly, easily. It's very digestible. And the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Juliana Urtube. So Juliana talks all about how to navigate educational plans, IEPs. She talks about the differences between IEPs and 504 plans. She really breaks things down in a really clear and simple way so that you have some of those questions that you might be thinking around, like, does this pertain to my child? Is this something I need to be looking into? Like, where do we go from here? Where do I go if I have questions? Juliana has you covered. She explains so many different things and so many different little pieces and nuance of IEPs and special education and different things on Understood Explains. So I want you to go check it out wherever you're listening to this podcast. You can go listen to Understood Explains. Just go into your podcast app, do a search for Understood Explains, and it will pop right up. Click on it, pick your episode, and get the answers that you've been looking for and the support that you need around different learning differences and differences in school. One of the things that you pointed out that I, I caught a glimpse of this and I think they even made a, or they actually did. I know that they made a reference to this when we were watching Lula Rich docuseries, but something that I hadn't really considered until I saw some of your notes for our conversation was the connection between MLM culture and white supremacy. And mm-hmm. that piece was, I was like, oh my gosh, I could see the exploitation of women very clearly. Like it cracked the code in a new way when you brought that up. So I would love to hear about that. Um, yeah. Let also like prefacing that with the fact that this is a podcast where we talk a lot about white supremacy and what we just how many blind spots we, me as a white woman and yeah, others same. have around that. Same. And yeah, I'll preface that always. I always say like, I'm not an anti-racism educator in any way. All I can do is talk about my own experience. And that's really why I wanted to talk about this. And honestly, it's been one of the biggest pieces of not criticism, but almost pushback. Even people who are excited about the book are like, ooh, supremacy. Like, ooh, you know, they they don't like that you're maybe saying something about them that they don't want to hear. But I mean, mm-hmm. at the heart of it, 
you know, MLMs were created in a very white supremacist culture. They were created by a very patriarchal culture. They're all created by white men. And so ultimately they're going to benefit white men. And Mm -hmm. you're like, well, they're all women. Most of the independent contractors and MLMs are women. Yeah, that's done on purpose. It's really Mm -hmm. done on purpose. They're the people who are targeted. And it's all about exalting certain people over others. That's why there's so many levels. There's this very hierarchical structure and there's a very, there's this play on like royalty almost with these Mm -hmm. names like super diamond extra, you know, <laughs> princess, like there's all these in crazy names. We're diamond platinum. <laughs> yes. That it's, it creates these ranks and it's the, the people on top walk the stage and they get special things and you earn time with these special people at the top. It's a very like colonial yeah. structure, right? And a lot of it parallels cults. And I talk about cults a lot in the book and, mm-hmm. you know, it's in every single chapter, there's, there's a lot of loaded language. There's huge barriers to entry. And again, you have to have a lot of resources to draw from to join in the first place or have rich friends or a spouse with a second income. And the majority of people in MLMs are, you can see it. And so MLMs are already part of this white supremacist system. And and again, they're created by white men. So they're sold as these feminist projects, like be a boss, Mm -hmm. babe, be a girl boss and all that infantilizing just speak that is, I hate, (laughs) and they're not sold. They're not sold, you know, like how let's make this company so we can make a bunch of women rich. That wasn't it. It's, this is a great business model because all these women will give us their money. Congratulations. You know, uh, they don't choose the MLM model because it benefits the reps. It benefits the company, it benefits CEOs and all of that. And politically, I mean, again, I go into this whole thing in the book too, but politically, there's a lot tied up into MLMs and very white supremacist ties and a lot of very ultra conservative white senators who give a lot of money to MLMs. And again, this is not like, oh, you know, Republican, Democrat, whatever. It's just, there is a lot more tied up into it than just women selling leggings. It's so much more. And again, you look at the income disclosure statements and if any regular business had such abysmal numbers, they'd get closed immediately. But because enough people are doing well enough for others to, again, exult, they're at the top of the pyramid and they can worship them and they hope to be there someday, they'll just keep grinding. And people at the top know that. So they just keep selling that dream. And I talked to someone actually just today who got an advanced copy of my book. And Mm -hmm. she was like, you know, I was a little like, I wasn't sure about the white supremacy angle. And then I read it and it made sense. But I also remembered the story. She was, um, she's Latina. And she's like, I was one of the very few women of color in, in my company. And me and there was one African-American woman. And she said, you know, they, the, the CEO really never paid attention to them. But then anytime there was this draw for diversity, they were putting her in videos and they were plastering mm. on like stand up big cardboard cutout posters at events and stuff. So they were basically like using her, you know, being diverse, like they didn't have any yeah. other brown people to choose from. Right. And so she felt very used. And she's like, it, I really, I was honored at the time. I felt honored at the time. And all the white women around me were telling me to feel honored. And I was just like a pawn. Cause I was, mm. they were trying to show that we are a diverse company when we weren't, so they were using me and this 
you know, the one brown woman and the one black woman to sell this opportunity. And it shouldn't be lost on anyone if you look at any incentive trip, any convention, any retreat, at any, you know, any photo that's plastered all over social media, most of the women are white. And like, how much farther do you need to look like? So I don't know why people are surprised when we talk about white supremacy and MLMs. Yeah. Yeah. Super interesting. And I, I'm thinking of a few different people I follow who've gone to summits, et cetera. And I'm like, oh yeah. I mean, it's basically looking at sororities, pictures of sorority. Oh, it is. And and which is also like a a very similar, right? Yeah. Yeah. Right. And you're like, oh, like they're about the same age, but and like, it's even down to like hair color and how the hair is like curled yep. <laughs> and, and then like standing in rows and wearing matching tank tops and, or dresses or whatever the thing is. But you, when you start to see that, like that push for people to blend in and be so similar, you're like, oh, there, there's a very specific target demographic here. I also really appreciate your connection to colonialism and the hierarchy and the, like the um, parallels to royalty. I think that's all super important to recognize. And then I also think that when we think about being conscientious consumers, and I know so many listeners here are always working toward like, what can I do to be more thoughtful and intentional in terms of how I show up in the world, how I speak up in the world, how I spend my money in the world. When we look at companies that are bringing in billions of dollars and most MLMs are bringing in billions of dollars. I mean, they are like extremely high revenue generating companies. Um, So they're bringing in millions, if not billions, more likely billions of dollars. When we think about what we want to support as women, as moms, as leaders, who are we going to give our money to? And if that billion dollar company is led by a white man who is giving, making political gives in a certain direction that might not be aligned with our values, like all that matters. And Mm -hmm. so like, I know there's people that don't shop at certain stores or wear certain brands because that means something that they don't want to represent a certain thing. Right. But are you looking at like the companies that are making billions of dollars that you're kind of blindly following and then making decisions around that? That's Um, so important because one of the ways that this is really convoluted is these are, you know, stay at home mom who are reps of these companies. And so they consider themselves small businesses. Like, Hey, buy these leggings for me because I'm just a mom at home with my kids. And it really tugs on the heartstrings. Right. But you know, your money buying those leggings from that woman is benefiting this billion dollar company. And so it's really important, like as a consumer to see that, like when you're shopping on small business Saturday, is this really a small business? No, actually it's a huge corporation and MLM reps align corporations like, Oh, big, big corporations. Oh, we're, we're skirting the nine to five, you know, don't work for big corporations when every MLM is a corporation. It's missed. It's missed missed in translation. It's like talking at both sides of your mouth. (laughs) Yes. So I'm imagining there's people listening who are like, Oh, holy cow. Am I a horrible person? <laughs> like I either like buy from a comp- one of these companies or I am a rep for one of these companies or so. Yeah. And especially when we're like in a culture where like women just want to be quote unquote good. <laughs> so mm-hmm. can we talk about like, what do you do if you're like, holy cow, I'm either buying from a com- one of these companies or representing it. And like, I'm seeing this through a whole new lens. What is your recommendation yeah. or call invitation yeah. for folks? Yeah. I mean, first again, I'm not looking to call anyone out, but it, I think it's important to be a smart consumer. I think it's important when you, when you know better, you do better. And I say this as someone who was involved in an MLM for seven years, who 
now believes, I, I now believe I took advantage of a lot of people. I, I believe that my dollar went to something that I, you know, I don't think is good and I no longer believe in. And I still have lots of friends who are still in that same MLM and in other MLMs. And it's not about the people. So for me, it's just about speaking out and, and really leaning into your intuition. So if you have, you know, an eye cream that you really love, but you just feel icky about it being an MLM, there are products that are equivalent, if not better out there that are not MLM products. And, and that's the beauty of our really, I mean, I don't know if it's the beauty or it's, it's the beast, but there's so much available now everywhere, you know, it's coming into your feed on, you know, you're being sold to all the time. There's right. no lack of alternatives, there's no lack of eye cream, right? Yeah. So, you know, if you feel better, go to your local, you know, dermatologist or local, whatever esthetician who makes her own products or something like maybe you feel better about that decision. There's lots of different ways to get the same things without feeding this huge beast. And there's always a little guilt there. It's like, well, but I buy from my friend. And again, you have to remember that you are not really supporting your friend. You're supporting this huge corporation and you're kind of just keeping her trapped in the system. You're giving your friend like a couple bucks. Yeah, exactly. That couple bucks is not, you know, that $3 every other month that they're actually getting from like, give them, give them a gift card, give them a $20 bill, you know? And and that goes to like, Hey, I'm going to leave. I'm not going to buy from you anymore, but like, I love and adore you. And here's a gift card. Yeah. You know, and I, and that's really important too, is, you know, as a consumer being aware of a giveaway or not giveaways, but um, charity through MLMs there, Mm -hmm. you'll see this a lot where something will happen. There'll be a natural disaster. And it's like, Oh, bye. By a weight loss shake, and I'll donate twenty dollars to the Haiti Relief Fund. You know, just no. The guy at the white guy at the top is benefiting right. from that way more than anyone in Haiti. Exactly, and then they're ranking up, and there's getting all these other benefits too. Like there's an ulterior motive. So I think looking into it that way, when you're a consumer and you're buying products, who's benefiting from this, and you know what is the motive behind it. And ultimately, yeah, you can buy stuff from your friends, but they aren't necessarily a good judge of what is good for you when they have all of these incentives and bonuses and money coming at them if they make the sale. Do you know what I mean? Right. So um, you may think you're supporting a friend, but you know, it, the money does not, it does not pencil out that way on paper. Right. I think you said something really important a minute ago that you said, you know, I was involved in an MLM for seven years and I can see where I caused harm as I was involved in that. And I think there's a lot of power in being able to start to see something from a different angle and then own like, oh, wow, I now see something different and now I will do better. And also I'm going to like acknowledge and honor that, oh shoot, like that, my impact was probably very different from my intentions. And I can say this as someone who was in the fitness industry for 15 years and ran a gym that was for women and promoted a lot of stuff around weight loss that now I'm just like, I see my old clients at Trader Joe's and I'm like, I'm really sorry. Like, I'm like, I know better now. Yeah. Um, and like, I built this really amazing thing that was all around diet culture. And like, so uh, like I climb out of my skin when I think about some of the things I did and I had really, really good intentions and I built an amazing community around it. And I can now see that like, it, there can be a both and they're like, yeah, there's some great things that happen. And also the reason I, left that entire industry is because I can see how in a ridiculously harmful, insidious, dangerous industry, I 
didn't feel like that was the best way for me to use my gifts in the world. Like now that I know better, I can do better. I can do something in a different direction. And I can also look back and honor, oh shoot, like I didn't know what I know now. And I'm really sorry for the, for any impact that that would have had that was harmful to other people. Absolutely. And leaving room for the fact that you may not be right. Because for so long, I was very, very sure that I was doing the right thing, right? But when I unearthed it and asked myself, why do I believe these things? That's a really important thing to ask yourself because I'm sure there are people listening to this who are like, oh, that's not true. My MLM's great. I've made so much money. It's wonderful. You know, this is true. This is true. This is true. Who told you those things? You know, did your company tell you those things? Did your upline tell you those things? What's your actual experience? What's, you know, what's the experience of other people on your team? And just leave the little bit, bit amount of room for the fact that you may not be right. And the fact that just because something is not hundred percent bad, doesn't mean that it's good. It's not that black and white because I had some amazing experiences during my reign in an MLM, I met some amazing people. There were wonderful things that happened. It led to certain things in my life that were wonderful. And also there were a lot of things that I'm not proud of, and I don't want to be associated with it anymore. And I think as women, we need to make sure we give ourselves permission to have that both. And because look at situations where you know, like an abusive marriage or, you know, again, addiction, like I experienced this firsthand, like not everything was bad when I drank, but it was bad enough that it wasn't good to have in my life anymore. Right. You know, you have the, maybe you have an abusive relationship and like, was everything bad? No. But you know, if it was still harmful, it's, you still don't want it around, right? You can look back and still say, okay, there were some good times, but I don't want this in my life anymore. And that's exactly how I feel about the MLM. Of course, there were good things that happened, but overall I find it harmful, destructive, and I wouldn't be involved in that anymore now. And now that I know better, I am doing better. And I feel like talking about it is a big part of it, which is why I wrote the book. Absolutely. I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. (laughs) Well, you're Amy more of a we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and 
I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us. I want to talk about the piece about women empowerment. So you touched, you mentioned this a little bit ago and we've kind of touched on it, but I want to dig into this a bit more around women's empowerment and also the connection between being brainwashed, if you will. And I think that I love what you're saying about the significance of leading room to not be right. Um, mm-hmm. Cause I think that that's where we can start to see like, oh, maybe I was told a bunch of things that made me kind of hold space for things. And I think that ultimately we can start to connect things back to our core values, which we talk a lot about here in the Shameless Mom Academy. Like if your core values are X, Y, Z, then ultimately it might not make sense for you to be doing ABC. Mm-hmm. And connecting those dots can be really eye-opening. So I'm imagining right now there's people who are like, oh, but I thought this was, you know, women's empowerment was a good thing. And mm-hmm. now if you can recognize, you talked about connecting to cults, connecting to like, if this is, there's some brainwashing and indoctrination happening, this process of recognizing that we've been sold this bill of goods that maybe does not align with our core values. Yeah. And I think a good way to, like you're talking about, say, mommy wine culture, and you're looking at alcohol and, you know, it's this trillion dollar industry, right? Yeah. So if you believe if you've been sold this idea that you can drink like the boys and still go to work and still you know be a mom and do all this stuff, really just looking at what evidence that this is true. Actually, alcohol makes me super anxious or I get really hungover. Actually, it doesn't make me feel good. You know, those are the questions like when I work with someone in you know alcohol recovery, like those are the questions you ask. What's your actual experience? So you can look at anything that way. And I could say you could look at the MLM the same way. You know, if you say, no, this is a good thing. There's nothing bad about it. Is that really true? You know, if you if you're selling this um, story, this dream to people that you can earn all this money and win a car and and do all this stuff, what evidence do you have that that's actually true? Other than this one person who's done it, or these three mm-hmm. people who've done it, or whatever? Mm-hmm. What evidence that you're selling this one person that that's actually true? And really just asking yourself, you know, what's really true here? Having some critical thinking and asking, why do I believe this? Why am I repeating this? And is this true for me? Is this true for other people? I think a lot of things that I said when I was in an MLM to defend the company, defend the products, when you had like naysayers, you know, it's hate, haters, right? If anyone talks, mm-hmm. just it has a dissenting comment to say, you know, they're all haters. But I would repeat these things that I was told over time. And, and honestly, it wasn't it wasn't until I was on my way out that I was like, you know what? I'm going to watch that negative YouTube video. I'm going to watch this because there's got to be a reason why they've been telling me not to. And yeah. just digging into, I like, I can't make a decision if I don't have all the information here, if I'm just right. repeating what I'm told. So I think critical thinking is, is yeah. really a part of it. And asking yourself like why you're making the choices that you make and, and really leaning into your intuition because there was a big part of me who, once I stopped drinking, I felt this ick, right? I felt this like, mm-hmm. Ooh, I can't send that message anymore. Cause I'm not like drunk texting anymore, you know? And I felt all of a sudden it was like, my intuition was coming back online that I don't feel good about these things. And mm-hmm. you really are told when you join an MLM, you're not told directly, but you are really conditioned to stop listening to your intuition, you know, lean through it, you know, send that message anyway. It feels gross, but co- copy paste. 
Mm-hmm. And it just slowly breaks down what you really want to do. So I think just leaning into your own intuition. And if you're skeptic about a business opportunity or whatever it is in the first place, it feels icky. Like there's probably a reason. So lean into that. Yeah. I think that's such a great example of the example that you get around when I stop drinking, like I'm not sending that text. Like the text yeah. that seems like a really good idea after two, three glasses of wine. And then like the te- the next morning you're like, eh, oh God, maybe not, maybe not the best text. Um, and like, sometimes those things can be absolutely really harmful. And sometimes they're just like, that was just a lot (laughs) or weird or out of place or whatever. And so checking yourself, I also agree with the, the shutting down of your own intuition and the piece that's interesting to me around that. And this is something that I am so fascinated by as I'm a sociology major. So I'm like, I love studying this women from such a young age are taught to shut down their intuition. And so it starts from like literally the clothes we're encouraged to wear when we're tiny, like, Oh no, like put on the pink, cute dress. And like, Oh, wear the thing that grandma really likes. And then like, go sit on uncle Larry's lap. It's your uncle. So we're like shutting down like, okay, well, I really want to wear like the blue pants, but I guess I'll wear the the pink dress. And then I guess like uncle Larry's kind of creepy, but I'm supposed to give him hugs. And this continues until like mid or uh, elementary school. And then certain foods are good and certain foods are bad, especially if you were raised by a woman in the 1980s. And yep. so we're like, then we get into diet culture and then we get into rape culture and like, well, I should dress a certain way to be desirable enough, but not too desirable. Cause I might like attract the wrong person. This is happening from such a young age and it just goes and goes and goes. So by the time we're in a position to be invited into either buying the cute rosé or buying the cute purse or eye cream in the pink packaging, we are so conditioned to like not listen to ourselves because we've never really been encouraged to do that. And so we can't even hear that voice. And so I love your point that when we pull back and step back and we're like, okay, I'm not going to use the alcohol, or I'm not going to like, listen to the words that someone else gave me. And instead I'm going to really like pause for a minute and look inward and listen inward. The stuff that we think and feel and actually want to act on might be really different than the stuff that we've thought and felt our whole entire lives. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And it just, it continues to perpetuate even when you're in those structures, even when you're in the diet culture or you're in the rape culture or whatever, because you're in that closed environment and you're in that MLM and you're repeating the same things and you're all doing the same things. It just solidifies it in your brain as normal. Right. What is your overarching message to women who might find themselves feeling standoffish or offended by any of the things we just shared? Like there's so many things in here that we touched on where people might be like, wow, that's kind of a hot button item. And I want to say the title of your book, which we haven't even said yet outside of reading your bio, but so the new book is, Hey hun, sales, sister, and supremacy. So just that book or just that title is like, I don't know about that. So can you talk a little bit about people who are like, "Mm, I don't know, but like also maybe a little curious. Yeah. So I think this goes with anything. You know, there's, there's a difference between being shamed and feeling shame. That's one thing I always, and I'm, I'm very careful to never dig personally and, and just really talk from my own experience. Like this is what I did. And this is what I experienced. Maybe you've experienced this too, or here's what's real and driven by data. It's, you know, scientific and here's what everyone else is telling you and you make your decision. Right. So I would say if you hear something like, for example, when I post about, Hey, by the way, having a, a can of wine a night is binge drinking. 
and someone says, oh, that makes me feel icky. Lean into why that is. Is it because you drink a can or two of wine a night and you feel like offended? Well, you know, lean into that because I'm like, don't come into my DMs. Just ask yourself why. Like this is data. Women's drinking is increasing. It's more alcohol than you need a day. Whatever. Ask yourself what bothers you about it. Because if there is like a cringe of that feeling where you're like, oh, I don't like what I'm hearing, there's probably something at the heart of it. And anybody who would be offended by me criticizing a liquid, like I'm not criticizing you, I'm just giving facts about it. So really, you know, it's nothing about your own use of it. Like that's on you. And and as far as the book, you know, talking about MLMs, it's interesting because if I were to criticize any other job and MLMs aren't a job, but just as a comparison, if I were to, you know, say I worked at Applebee's and, you know, I decided I didn't want to work there anymore. And so I quit and I decided to start working at TGI Fridays instead. You know, I could probably still be friends with everybody I worked with at Applebee's and I could probably still go eat there sometimes. And, but in MLMs, it's a very either, or it's a, it's a black, Mm -hmm. white, you are either with us or you're against us. And if you quit, it's either because you didn't work hard enough or you are a hater or something bad must've happened to you or whatever. Um, which is exactly cults, by the way, which is how cults, <laughs> exactly happen, how cults right? Yeah. You can't believe anything outside of it. And so it's interesting because I've now obviously experienced this as someone who has left. And of course I still have friends who, you know, just, we were friends before we're still friends now, but there are a lot of people who completely cut me off, blocked me are now like, she's a hater who used to worship me as like a Exalted. leader company. Right. So it's just another piece of like, let's have some critical thinking. And do we need to believe the same thing that everybody else does? And what bothers you so much about what I'm saying, for example, is it because you're involved and it makes you feel bad about it? Well, what makes you feel bad? Are you doing some of those things that I'm talking about? Um, Are you offended because you really believe in your company? Well, why do you believe in your company? Are you parroting scripts from your upline or have you really researched it? Have you looked at the income disclosure statement? Have you looked at your financial statements and your profit loss statements and all that stuff? So why do you feel like you have to believe the same thing everyone else does? And who told you you couldn't think critically for yourself? Mm-hmm. You know, cause really, like you said, there's nothing more cult-like than saying that you can't have a different opinion. And so I think yeah. it all just goes back into leaning into, if I read something, I'm like, Ooh, that makes me feel bad. Again, don't come into my DMs. Like what makes you feel bad about it? Right. Yeah. And yeah, giving yourself that space to look at it objectively, that like, it doesn't have to be, if people are feeling some sensation yeah. around things that have been said or brought up in the book to look at that as an invitation to get curious and like, Oh, interesting and compassionate too, like self-compassion around it to be like, Oh gosh, I didn't realize this and that. And okay. So I want to dig into that a little bit more rather than like, Oh, I feel attacked or I feel like now this someone's saying I'm a bad person because I am doing this thing. Just like the curiosity and compassion piece, I think can go a really long way as well. Yeah. Where can people find you, get your books? Tell us about the, I don't think we've said the name of the first book. Tell us all the names of the books and where we can get all your things. And, yeah, and so my first you. book is called Highlight Reel and you can get it on any online retailer, you know, Amazon bookshop, all those places. Um, and same with uh, Hey Hun, it's available for pre-order now. Um, again, bookshop, Barnes and Noble, Amazon, all the places. You can also contact your local bookstore too. If you'd like to, they can order it for you. If you like to shop local, I love that. 
And you can find me at emilylynnpaulson.com. I also have an online platform for sober moms called Sober Mom Squad, and it's Sober Mom Squad on all platforms. So you can also find me there. Love it. So we will link everything up in the show notes. I want people to go check out the book. So Hey Hun is H-E-Y-H-U-N. Yes. So if people like, like, Hey girl, Hey Hun, yeah. <laughs> um, we'll link everything up in the show notes and the book. So Hey Hun comes out on May 23rd. Did I get that May right? 30th, May 30th, yeah. May 30th. So feel free to pre-order the book yes. and get it like pre-orders make, uh, do you want to do a little pitch for, for pre-orders? Oh, yeah. They make pre-orders, a really big difference. I know this is like my, my least favorite part of, of being an author is the selling part. And I think it's like trauma from being in an MLM, but yes, pre-orders are super important for authors because they show, you know, bestseller lists that people want your book. They show your publisher that people want your book and that helps the publisher plan for how many printing, uh, what printing to do, how many books to print in the first printing. And it shows other retailers that they should also carry your book. So pre-orders are super, super important to authors. You're publishing through Row House, right? Row House. Yes. So this is important. And this is something I, oh, no, I actually, so I'm friends with Trudy LeBron, who also publishes through, through uh, Row House. So Row House is a black owned women's owned publishing company. Yes. Also LGBTQ plus owned, I believe. And this is really significant because when we talk about white men at the top, publishing is white men at the top. So I also just want to point out that piece that like when we are support, when you were looking at books, buying books that are published by Row House is really significant as well. So I wanted to put in that plug too. Yes. Yeah. And then last question in one sentence, tell us how you're currently showing up as a shameless mom. I mean, I feel like I put it all out there (laughs) and, you know, I think one thing, if I want to teach my kids, it's not always comfortable to have a parent who talks about things that are uncomfortable, but I think showing them that they shouldn't be afraid to talk about uncomfortable things and advocate for themselves um, is really how I want to show up and protecting their anonymity online and all that stuff. In the meantime, I think it's a balance, but showing them that they really can use their voices. I love it. Thank you. Oh my goodness. I'm so excited that you're, you were here for this conversation. We haven't had a chance to dig into this and I've loved talking this through with you. When you write the next book, you have to come back again and we'll do it all again. Thank you so much for joining me in the Shameless Mom Academy today. I really, really appreciate you being here and I hope you learned something new. As always, this conversation will be continued over in our free private Facebook group. You can join that group by going to shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook to connect with other shameless moms just like you. Additionally, if this is your first time listening to the show, know that we are here every Monday and Wednesday with a brand new episode. So make sure you subscribe, go to whatever podcast app you use and subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. You can do that directly if you go to shamelessmom.com forward slash review that will put you in Apple Podcasts where you can click on the subscribe button and you can also leave a review. If you scroll down a little bit, you can leave a five-star review. You can write a few sentences letting me know what you thought about the show. If you let me know how the show has impacted you in becoming a more shameless mom, you might be nominated to be shameless mom of the week. 
Also, please share this episode. My goal is to help more mamas be more shameless every damn day. So please do share this episode. You can take a screenshot of the episode on your phone and then share it out on social media. Tag me at the Shameless Mom Academy on Facebook or Instagram. I'm quick to reply and eager to send you Facebook love and love to be connected to all of you. So again, thank you for being here. I can't wait to be back here again with you in just a couple days. And until then, no matter what you do today, make sure you do it shamelessly. comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play, and we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips.